for your word this morning. I thank you that you speak life, you speak health, you speak wholeness, you speak deliverance, you speak freedom, you speak so much into our world today. And Father, I thank that you that as I speak, the Holy Spirit would move amongst us, uh, transforming us, bringing us into new realms of understanding your word, new ways of seeing you, a fresh perspective, a deeper understanding of who you are and what you've done for us. I thank you that there's so much that you've done for us that it just blows our minds at times. And I thank you for that. And I pray that this morning would be no different, that you would blow our minds, that you'd open us up to heart surgery and change our thinking in some areas. And Father, we, we just commit this whole message to you in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. Amen. This morning, um, the title of my message is, Look What Jesus Did For Us. It doesn't get any simpler than that. It's just, look what Jesus did for us. Well, and I'm, many of you probably have experienced this already. That Have you ever had someone do something that was totally off the charts for you? It was just like it was just an, an outrageous blessing that someone brought your way. Or they gave you something that you didn't deserve, or they, something that you could never pay back. That's what I want to touch on this morning. It's look at what Jesus has done for us. It was a father. <clears throat> he had uh, uh, some children and he bought uh, this swing set as an early Christmas present for them. It was one of those extra long ones. It's got two swings on it. It's got two-seater swinging bench there. It's got a slide. It's got monkey bars on it. It's got a series of hanging rings that are all over it. And, and he thought that the time invested in actually putting this thing together would be a great way to show his kids his love for them. Besides, he got it at a great price, and it was made in Germany. And you can't beat German engineering, right? So after purchasing and dragging this thing, this 90-kilo box of parts and swings and stuff, he suddenly became overwhelmed by the sheer number of the parts, the complexity of the instructions that laid before him. Based on his eye-popping assessment, he'd have to assemble over 10,000 screws, washers, nuts and bolts, wing nuts, more washers, plastic pieces, metal bars and metal chains. They provided an English translation of the instructions, but unfortunately there were no pictures of how to put this thing together. Just complicated and technical instructions apparently written by scientists for experts in mechanical engineering. He said it was too complicated for an ordinary non-engineer like him to put this thing together. So, with some help from some mechanically-minded friends, the father finally managed to assemble the whole thing. But he had a few dozen left, parts left over at the end. So was it any wonder when his small son began to swing on the swings that it began to wobble and shake? just with the small child there. You know, often that's the way it is with man-made gifts. Like man-made systems and religion, they are complicated, shaky, and unreliable. 
And sometimes that can be a description of our own lives. They're sometimes complicated, a bit shaky, and sometimes unreliable. And that's not what our Heavenly Father intended for our lives. God's infinitely more intricate and mysterious than anything else in the universe, let alone a swing set. So it's God's grace that it's not reserved for the spiritually elite or geniuses, rocket scientists, brain surgeons, or anything like that. God made it simple. The mysterious one became visible, small, and even vulnerable in the person of Jesus. Through Jesus' birth, God revealed himself to ordinary people. God didn't send thousands of pieces. He sent a person, and his name is Jesus. That's how simple God is. That's how simple the, the, the gospel message can be. We don't need to make it complicated this morning, church. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to leap over walls or catch bullets with your teeth. You don't even have to wear your undies on the outside like superheroes do. It's that simple. It's just, just we need to dumb it down. Sometimes we make very simple things very complicated. I'm very good at that. It's a gift. Yeah, I'm a male, that's it. Would we like to simplify our lives this morning and put it on more of a solid foundation? I want to just take a, a little brief look in the book of Romans chapter 5 this morning to see and learn more about the simplicity of the gift that our Heavenly Father has given to us. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12 it says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. See, Adam's gift to mankind what a great guy he was, is sin and death. That was Adam's gift to us. By his one act of rebellion in the Garden of Eden, he brought ruin and devastation upon the entire human race. We all die because of Adam's sin. Adam's sin is the cause of our deaths. Romans 5 verse 13, the very next verse says, For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. See, God can't charge anyone with wrongdoing until he tells them what their, their actions were that were wrong. So God can't punish people for sin until he defines what sin is. So in verse 14, he goes on, he says, Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. See, even though God couldn't charge anyone with wrongdoing, people still died in that time. Before God gave the law to Moses, there was still death. Why was that? Well, because of Adam's sin. Adam's sin brought death to everyone. Adam's sin affected us all. We inherited a sin nature from Adam, and as a result, we will die. In fact, we are in the process of dying right now. And I bet you're glad you came to church this morning to find that out. Aren't you glad you came this morning? You're thinking, man, this is a positive, uplifting message. I'm going to die. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one who thought that. Okay. See, there was a pastor who, uh, who was traveling through Ecuador. 
several years ago and spending a few weeks traveling in the mountains. He met a group of Indian natives that were living amongst amongst the most mind-numbing squalor. Their diseased and disfigured bodies were heartbreaking. The bugs and the stench were everywhere. People were living in holes in the ground and calling them a house. They were feeding on rotten food and prizing garbage as their great possessions. Yet even so, they didn't know how bad they off they were because everyone lived that way. They were never shown a different way to live. And that's exactly the human condition that's before us today. People's lives are often a mess, but most of us don't know how bad off we are because most of us don't know any better. Our, that, that, that's a gift from Adam, but we don't have to accept that anymore. Okay, We don't have to keep... Uh, opening that gift up day after day, month after month, and year after year, living in the stench of a former life that we used to live. Instead, what I want us to do this morning is to accept the gift that God has given to us, the gift of his only son, Jesus Christ. To receive Christ and to put our trust in him, then watch as he begins to change us from the inside out. Because here's what I know, church, okay? It's not us changing the way that we live. It's changing the way that we believe that will change the way that we live. Because until we change what's up here, we're not going to live any differently. We've got to change what we believe about what God has done for us uh, so that we're going to see a change in life. Let me ask you a question. When we do something wrong, if we mess up and we sin, we do something you know, really uh, stupid or whatever, do we run to God or do we run away from God? Do we hide from the Bible, just hang, hang the Bible up for a little while until we feel like we can come back to God? Because if we hang the Bible up, if we don't open up our Bibles anymore, we, we don't go along to church because of whatever it is that we, we, we did was wrong, we sinned, we do, whatever it was, what that tells me is that there's still a fear of punishment upon your life, not a, not a, a knowledge of the love of God and how much He will embrace you because of His grace. See, if we're running from God because we do something wrong, it's because of a fear of punishment. We think God still wants to beat us up, to to punish us in some way, to, to do something to us because we messed up. That's not God. Because the punishment for what we've done wrong was taken out on the person of Jesus on the cross. See, this is why we've got to change and start to come back to the centrality of Jesus in what we do as a church. You okay? Praise God. I'm, I'm excited on the inside. You may show it on the outside any minute now, I know. This is about Jesus, church. This is about him, what he's done for us. This is good news. And what I want us to do is this, that when we mess up, and we will mess up, okay, when we mess up, don't waste a moment. Run to Jesus. Run to God. Because he's the one that's already forgiven us. Forgiveness is already being released to us. We don't, like we, some people say that, you know, oh, I just want to uh, confess my sins and, uh, so that I get forgiveness. No, you've already got forgiveness. He's already forgiven you. It's a done deal. We can go to Jesus. We can go to God and confess our sins because we've been forgiven. And I'll get back to my notes. See, Romans 5.15 says this, But the gift is not like the trespass. 
For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? You see, Adam's gift was death, but God's gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus, his son. Romans 6.23 says, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's a divine exchange that goes on. And what we need to say is, look at what Jesus has done for me. What's the first thing that Jesus has done for us? Number one, because of Jesus, we receive life instead of death. That's good news. That is good news. You've got eternal life. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't get death, you get life. And life abundantly. And you don't have to even die to get this, this life that God talks about. God wants us to experience true, meaningful, everlasting life. And it starts today. It starts when we cross the line, when we gave our hearts and opened up our hearts to our Lord and Savior. When we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to life and no to death. I'm, I'm happy on the inside. We receive a lasting vitality instead of a lingering decay. We open the gift of an eternal life in heaven instead of agony without God. See, a father and son, they were playing in the ocean while his wife and daughters and the parents and a cousin were on the beach. Suddenly, the son was swept out to sea, caught in a rip. Immediately, the father started to do whatever he could to help his son get back to the shore. But he too was soon caught up and swept away in this rip. He knew that after a few minutes, both he and his son were likely to drown. He screamed to, to the family, but they couldn't hear him on the beach. The father is a strong guy. He was an Olympic decathlete, but still he wasn't strong enough to fight against the rip that he was caught in. He was powerless in that situation. And as he was carried along by the water, he had this single chilling thought. He thought to himself that his wife and daughters were about to have a double funeral. His cousin, who understood and saw something that was going on there, he saw what was happening. He walked out into the water because he knew that there was a sandbar there. He learned how you fight a rip. And it's not by fighting against it, but it's going with it and off to the side, out to the, out to the way. So he's, he's walked out onto the sandbar. He stood as close as he could to that father and the son. Then he's lifted his hands up and he simply said, Come to me, come to me. And as they did, they got out of the rip and were saved. And that's what Jesus does for us. That's his invitation to us. He says, come to me and you'll live. Come to me and you'll live. That's what the message needs to be from this church to our community through the community garden that we and other means that we do as well. But come to Jesus and live. Jesus wants to give us a life and life eternal. If we go the way that our gut tells us, that we'll die. That if we trust the one who died for us and rose again, we will live forever with him in heaven. John 3.16 is really clear. For God so loved the world. It's, he says that he, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have... Wow, you guys should be up here. That's great. I love that. 
He also says in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Oh my gosh. Who'd have thought? See, that's what Jesus has done for us. He exchanges death for life. That's what I love about what Jesus has done for us. But not only that, Jesus has also done this for us. He exchanges judgment for justification. He exchanges judgment for justification. Read John 3.17. Everyone knows John 3.16, but do we know John 3.17? The very next verse, he says, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save it. That's why Jesus came. Receiving vindication instead of condemnation. Open the gift of acquittal rather than a death sentence. Remember recently how I said what justification means. It's just as if I'd never sinned. I love how we can play with words. I I, I enjoy playing with words. Just as if I'd never sinned. To be justified is to be declared righteous, to be exonerated forever. Romans 5 verse 16 says this, And again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. That's what Jesus does for us doesn't judge us. He says, you know what? Because of you receiving my son, Jesus Christ, and believing in him that he died and, and for your sin, that he took on your sin for, for, uh, for his, his life and, and replaced, there's this divine exchange that happens. Because of that, because you believe in Jesus, you stand justified. And he's not going to judge. Adam's sin brought condemnation to all, but God's gift brings justification. Verse 18 of Romans 5 says this, Consequently, just as the righteous of one, sorry, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. That's good news, church. That is good news. Christ's one act of righteousness. His death on the cross made it possible for everybody. You don't need to be a person with a mechanical engineering to put this together. It's simple. Everyone I discovered was everyone. In her book, Because He Lives, How Christ Transforms Our Daily Life, author Elise Fitzpatrick writes this. Just in case you're unaware, identity theft occurs when someone steals your name and other personal information for fraudulent use. Most of us are dismayed by this new cyber age crime, and we wouldn't assume that the theft of another person's identity is acceptable behavior. The surprising reality, however, is that Christians are, by definition, people who have someone else's identity. They're called... Christians, because they've taken the identity of someone else, the Christ. Not only have they been given an identity that you weren't born with and that you didn't earn the right to use, but you're invited to empty the checking account and use all the benefit that that identity brings with it. This is so much better than identity theft. 
It's an identity gift. Isn't that good? I mean, that says it so well, and it just encapsulates what, what Christ has done for us. It's a, it's a gift to anyone who will receive his son. See, until that time, until we, we commit our lives to Christ, our identity, our name really was sinner, for want of a better term. But when we accept God's gift of his son, our identity changes and we get a new name. It's Christian, Christian, Christian. We become a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in his Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. We are a new creation because of what Christ has done. We've got a new nature, a new DNA. You know, if they were to take my DNA now, they'd find the, the, you know, the DNA of the Heavenly Father. Let's not test that. <laughs> not here anyway, right now. See, that's what it means to be justified. That's what it means to be justified. It means that we are no longer declared sinners. Instead, we are declared righteous because God himself has given us his own identity, the identity of his son, Jesus Christ. We are considered as righteous as he is, and God offers all of that to us as a free gift. All we need to do is accept his son. When we receive Christ into our life, he exchanges death for life. He exchanges justification instead of being judged. But look at what else Jesus has done for us. Thirdly, because of Jesus, we receive power instead of weakness. We get power instead of weakness. Because of Christ, we receive the right to reign instead of being enslaved. The gift of authority instead of bondage. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace... It's an abundant provision of grace, church. It's an abundant provision of grace. And the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, Adam caused death to reign, but Christ lets us reign in life. In life, right here, right now. We, reign, we can reign in life if we tap into all that God's got for us. There's an abundance of grace to live this life. Grace is not just getting out of hell and getting into heaven. Grace is the power to live the life that Christ wants us to live. There's power in, in what Christ has provided for us. There's power to do that. He says that by his grace, he declares us righteous and then he seats us with him in a place of all authority. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm. He's raised you and I up, church. This is a reason that when we mess up, when we you know, just, just do silly stuff, we can run to God. We can run to God. That means we're above all other authority except that of Christ. Therefore, we don't have to submit to Satan. We don't have to take his stuff. We don't have to give in to sin anymore. Instead, we have the authority to say, no, no. I'm not going down that road because the grace of God empowers me to say, I'm not going to do that. 
I have the grace of God working in my life to do that. And we can say yes to Christ. I can say yes to the grace of God to get me through this season. We can choose to pursue our own human potential, but that only puts us in a bondage and a slavery. The legacy of Adam is the tyranny of death and of sin. See, there was an old Arab chief that tells the story of a spy who was captured. And and they sentenced him to death uh, by a general in the Persian army. This general had the strangest custom of giving condemned criminals a choice between the firing squad and the big black door. As the moment for execution drew near, the spy was brought to the Persian general who asked this question of this person. He said, what will it be, the firing squad or the big black door? The spy hesitated For a long time, it was a difficult decision, but he chose the firing squad. And moments later, shots rang out, confirming his execution. The general turned to his aide and he said, they always prefer the the known way to the unknown way. It is characteristic of people to be afraid of the undefined. Yet we gave him a choice. And the aide said, well, what lies behind the big black door? The general replied, freedom for those who are brave enough to take it what would we take this morning what will we choose this morning sometimes to walk with jesus it's an unknown quantity but in it is freedom when we trust god when we don't lean on our own understanding but in all our ways acknowledge him when we choose jesus we choose freedom we choose life What will we choose this morning? Finally, Jesus also did this for us. He gave us his righteousness instead of condemnation. We have the righteousness of Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to say, I am. Say that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in in Christ Jesus. You don't have to wait to be good to be that. You already are. This is a good deal, folks, honestly. I'm not even going to try and sell you a bridge in Sydney. This is just good, good stuff right here. This is, this, is, this is it. Receive the good instead of the bad. Open the gift of godliness instead of godlessness. Romans 5.19 says this, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Adam made us all sinners. Christ makes us righteous. Because of Christ, he makes us righteous. There's no fear of punishment. Because Jesus has made us right in his presence. We have the right to stand in the presence. If you had, in Old, Old Testament times, if you had sin uh, on you, if you were bad in any way and the presence of God showed up and, and stuff like you were a dead man. But because of all that Christ has done for us, because he gives us his righteousness, his holiness, we stand before him as one who's righteous, one who's holy. 
Romans 8, chapter 1, verse, says, verse 1 says, So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do we see this, church? Because don't miss it. When we depend on ourselves to get better, we only get worse. But when we depend on Christ, he makes us better. He makes us righteous. Romans 5, verses 20 to 21 says, The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our our Lord. See, the Lord, the law didn't make things better, it made things worse. It increased sin because we become sin conscious. But when we're grace conscious, we leave behind that old stuff. Let's be focused on the grace and the righteousness and the holiness. When we mess up, we can simply say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And all the promises, the blessings and the protection that God gives the righteous are mine. Many years ago, a pastor sent his his parents a microwave oven for Christmas. They were the new fad, so it's a little while ago. His parents were really excited to get this this gift. Could it be part of the next generation they were looking to be a part of? When the father of this, uh, this this pastor unpacked the microwave and plugged it in, literally within seconds, the microwave transformed two smiles into two frowns. Even after the reading the directions, they couldn't make it work. Two days later, this pastor, his mother, was playing cards with a friend and confessed her inability to get the microwave even to boil water. To get this darn thing to work, she said, I really don't need better instructions. I just need my son to come along with the gift. And isn't that our lives too? That's exactly what God gave us. He didn't send a booklet of complicated instructions He sent his son. The law cannot make us a better person. Only Jesus can. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. Why don't we trust him? Why don't we depend on God's grace today? The law demands obedience, but it has no power to supply us with the ability to actually live up to the demands of the law. But grace came through a person, and he empowers us. The grace empowers us to do what we need to do. Romans 8, 3 to 4 says this, For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Living by the Spirit living by the Holy Ghost, empowered by grace to live this life. Saints, a divine exchange happened when we accepted Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. Look at what Jesus has done for us, church. And let's accept God's gift of divine exchange for us. When we receive Christ, we exchange death for life. 
We stand justified instead of judged. We stand in the power of his might instead of our own weaknesses. And we exchange condemnation for his righteousness. I don't know about you, but that's one reason that we can love and adore and run to our God when we mess up because of all that Jesus has done for you and I. Our lives have been touched by some wonderfully generous people. We couldn't believe what some people have done for us in our lives. There's no way we could have done what we'd done if it hadn't been for certain people who'd intersected our lives at various times. We could never pay those people back. And this is what Jesus has done for us. This is what Christ has done for us. We could never do this on our own. That's why Jesus came. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is. He fulfilled every part of it. Never broke a commandment. Walked righteously. And us, by faith, in him, we stand righteous too. Let's stand this morning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>